Good morning, church. My name is Andy Johnson, as Israel referenced. I am your missions minister, and as you can imagine, I'm really glad that today is Mission Sunday. If you ask me, they all are. But uh, in particular, today is Mission Sunday, and we've been, we've been building towards this in the background now for a couple of months. And, uh, and, and just here in the congregation, we've been listening to videos from your missionaries for the past month. We've been building toward this day, and I'm, and I'm really excited that it's here. I'm very grateful that Israel shared those words with us. One of, the, one of the things I'm learning about being a minister is that if you want to get people to do something for you, you've got to find something in their wheelhouse. And, and I have two sons born on West African soil, and I knew that if I wanted somebody to talk about food, I needed a West African. And, uh, and so, Israel, you did not disappoint. I'm grateful for you. Um, I want to begin, before we dive right in, I want to thank you for what you did as a church body in 2016 for your missionaries. As most of you remember, back in last February when we had our Mission Sunday, our goal was not met. In fact, we were pretty significantly short of it. But then throughout the year, as God blessed you, you chose to bless our missionaries. And by the end of 2016, we had met and exceeded and honestly blown the top off of, our, of what our needs were for our missionaries. And we were even able to get to some of the, some of the wish list things that we don't often get to do. And, and so I'm very, very grateful for it. Um, and now I'm excited about what God's going to do through us in 2017. I think it's going to be a good year. Now last week, what Buddy did for us was, as he finished up his Big Deal sermon series, he established really a theological foundation for why missions is a big deal. He talked about three things. He talked about the cross of Christ, where we find our salvation. He talked about the command of Christ. Some of the very last words that our Christ spoke to us were this command to disciple and to go. And then finally, he talked about the coming of Christ. Jesus tells us we can do these things. We can go and we can make disciples because he's going to be with us even until the end of the age, which implies the fact that there is an end to this age. He's coming back. And that gives a sense of urgency to this mission. And so what Buddy did for us was to set up theologically, missions is a big deal. So what I want to do this morning in our sermon time is to answer the question, why is it a big deal that we as a church family have sent missionaries to where we have sent them? Out of all the places on the surface of this earth and all the people groups from whom we could have chosen, why is it a big deal that we sent them where we have sent them. That's what we're going to try to answer this morning. Now, there's a whole lot of different reasons we could have come to, uh, but I picked out five that I want to cover with you today. So that's what we're going to walk through. Number one, Landmark does the hard things that other people don't want to. This church has never taken the easy way out on anything, and it's filled with people who refuse to do so as well. Uh, if possible, dust off the cobwebs and go back to your last mission Sunday. We had, we had a reading of Hebrews 11, and we had a long line of, of members of this church come forward and tell stories of what God has done through his people by faith. And one of the recurring themes is that we don't do stuff the easy way. We don't cut corners. As a church family, we do the hard work. And today, we're still full of people. We've been this way for 45 years as a church. We're still full of people who do hard things. For instance, we have members who retire from their day jobs in order to do their ministry full-time. We have members who are businessmen and women who engage in fair and just hiring practices when it would be a whole lot easier just to keep doing what they've always done. And almost every Sunday, we have people coming forward onto this front row who do the hard work of taking things of darkness and bringing them out into light so that our Father can do something with them. 
That's hard work, and it would be a whole lot easier in some respects to leave it in the dark. But we don't because we do hard things. And it is that way in our missions program as well as a part of this church family. I want to throw out some numbers to you this morning. Depending upon how you count them, there are roughly 400,000 missionaries in the world today. Now, out of those missionaries, 72% of them are sent to the one-third of the world that's already primarily Christianized. 72% of missionaries go where there's already an an existing church that's, that's quite strong. They go to bless existing churches, which is a good thing. 25% of missionaries go to the roughly third of the world that has easy and legal and open access to the gospel where there is a church presence, but the majority of people have not yet accepted. And then there's the 3%. There's the 3% of missionaries who are sent to the unreached. And this is where Landmark chooses to invest the majority of our efforts. We choose to go to those people who will have no access to the gospel if somebody's not sent to tell them about it. Now, most of our missionaries serve in this way. One that comes to mind is David Knowles. David Knowles is our missionary chaplain to Alabama state prisons. This is a particular corner of our state where the gospel has a difficult time gaining access, breaking in. Now, the questions are, is it easy for David to go in and to gain the trust of prisoners? Absolutely not. Is it easy for David to go into state prisons and speak of the things of God? No, it's not. But is it worth it for David to have the opportunity to go inside prison walls and speak to men, many of whom have never experienced the loving touch of a father on earth, and tell them that they have a heavenly father who loves them and is in fact a good, good father, and to have the privilege of introducing them to their Savior? It's absolutely worth it. And we get to be a part of sending him into these prisons. Number two, Landmark does things with excellence. We take seriously Paul's command in Colossians 3.23 to work at everything that we do as if we're working for the Lord and not for man. We work to receive a different kind of inheritance because we know that we're working for the Lord Jesus Christ. Two of our families that spring to mind when I think of this are the who serve in the city of excuse me, a number of years ago, they went to the city, along with others, through an organization called... Now, what does is it gains access to difficult-to-enter places where people can come and they use their English skills to teach as a means of introducing people to the gospel. And most of the folks who go with commit to one to two years, and then they come back. In fact, we have a recent um, Landmark Campus Ministry graduate who's there finishing up year number two. She'll be coming back shortly. And it's a good thing. They do good things while they're there. But the good that those short-term missionaries are able to accomplish becomes excellence when they are able to pass off their contacts, the seekers that they've met, their friends, their recent converts, to either long-term missionaries or local believers. Now, given the difficulty that short-term Western Christians have locating even underground churches... Um, the fact that they serve makes everyone else who goes there, makes their service more effective, makes them serve with, with greater excellence because they're there and they've learned language and culture and they've stayed. As an illustration of this, I want to flesh out a story that we started to tell about a month ago. Uh, told us a story about a friend of his name. Uh, but the story started actually several months before we picked it up. started last summer when she 
as all good landmark members had to do, took the spiritual gift inventory. Tested out as having discernment as one of her primary gifts. And she had never discerned that before. And so she began praying for ears to hear what the Spirit wanted to say to her. With that in mind, she went and met students last semester. And she heard clear as day from the Spirit, that one's ready. So by faith, invited in faith to their apartment and walked through the front door and asked them, hey, do you know a guy named teaches over at this other high school? Well, said, yeah, that's, that's my coworker. And, uh, and he said, and did the two of you used to eat at such and such barbecue joint? He said, well, actually we did, but it's been a while. He said, I was the 12-year-old busboy that used to wait on you guys when you used to eat there. And back then, I knew there was something different about you. And now you're my college professor, and I want to know what it is. Since then, we have had twice-weekly Bible studies. Every two times a week, they get together for Bible studies. And one of the coolest parts about this, one of the ways that God is bringing excellence to their efforts, who's not yet a, a believer, is taking every one of those stories that God tells him and retelling them to four of his friends. Jim is not yet a believer, but God's using him as an evangelist. And then the icing on the cake. I just got a text from on Friday morning and he told me he said I know your 21 days of prayer is about up keep praying because Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday of this coming week these next three days three of his friends have decided to use three days of their New Year's holiday to have a retreat with and spend the entire three days swimming in scripture learning about worship learning what it means to be believers Amen and has actually agreed to help lead some of the Bible studies. This is the sort of excellent thing that happens through us sending excellent people to live and to stay. Number three, this may be news to you. You may have never heard this sentence said from this pulpit before, but landmark leads people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That might be news to you. You may have never heard it before, but this is what we do. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the ball game. That is, that is the end all. If we succeed in feeding and getting clean water to the world's poor, but we don't tell them about Jesus, we don't introduce them to our Savior, then we failed them. Well-dressed, well-fed, well-watered, well-vaccinated people who are hell-bound, who never get introduced to Jesus, remain that way. We have more. We have the good news that Jesus the Christ came to earth. He lived, he died, he rose, and he still lives, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us with our Father. And that is good news this world needs to hear and our missionaries get to tell them about it. All our missionaries engage in this work, but I always think of Kevin and Charity Linderman when I begin to think about this. The Lindermans have been sent to work with the Sakuma tribe in Tanzania. The Sakuma are the largest tribe in Tanzania. There's about six million of them. They're a really big people group. And in preparation for this sermon, I asked Kevin for a ballpark figure of how many active Christians there are among the Sakuma. He said best guess is probably about 5,000. That's about 0.1%. Not quite. That's what church history tells us is that any population where Christians make up 10% or more of the general population, no matter the persecution, no matter what comes against the church, she won't fold. She will stand when you hit that 10% number. Below 10%, the hold is a lot more tenuous. And sometimes, sometimes the church gets pushed back. If we want to see that 10% reached among the Sakuma, 
we need to see a hundred times the number of believers there are today. That's why the Lindermans are there. That's why they're still there because there are still so many people who need to be introduced into a relationship with Jesus the Christ. As I think about them, my mind always goes to 1 Corinthians 9. Uh, As a missions minister, it's one of my very favorite passages and I just want to read it over you. I can almost hear Kevin and Charity saying this. For though I'm free from all, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak so that I might win the weak. You can hear Kevin and Charity saying, to the Sakuma, I became like a Sakuma in order to win some of the Sakuma. I have become all things to all people so that by all means, I might save some. I love where he comes down on that. We do all of these things so that we can save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Now, the Lindermans are a wonderful family who personify this. They packed up and they moved. They learned one language. They learned a second language. They learned a culture. They learned a way of doing life. They learned a way of expressing the gospel in a way that Sukuma people have ears to hear. And now, more than a decade into their work, They're learning something new. The churches have asked them to help them minister more holistically. And so the churches have come to them and asked them to help with primary health care, to help them understand how to live healthier, holier lives. And so Kevin and Charity are in the process of retooling themselves. A decade in, they're retooling as a response to what Sakuma leaders want. It's a part of this by all means. They're going to use every means that they can to reach the Sakuma. And they do it because... They are there to lead people to a growing relationship with Jesus. Number four, Landmark is a community that shows the love of Jesus to people experiencing life's struggles. We care about people's souls and we care about their eternal destiny. We also care about their bodies and we care about their todays. Now, in our mission efforts, among other things, we intervene in the areas of addiction and recovery as well as in orphan and vulnerable children care. I doubt very seriously that there's a person among us today who's not had their own life or that of someone in their family or one of their coworkers or their neighbor, someone at this church whose life has not been touched by the scourge of addiction. Many people, many churches insist on sweeping this under a rug. We don't do that. We bring this out in the open and we do something about it. Our Wednesday night RSVP program is one of the best things that we've got going on at this church. As addicts and those who have been affected by addiction come together, they share a good meal, Israel, they share a good meal, and they share each other's burdens. And they do this in an atmosphere just brimming over with the love of Christ. If you've never come and joined one of these meals, you're missing out. It is a beautiful representation of what the family of God ought to look like. Additionally, we help fund the shed, which is a recovery house where men live in community and work together by the grace of God to begin breaking these chains of addiction which have bound them up and brought them down to rock bottom. It's making a big difference in the lives of a few. We also intervene in the lives of orphan and vulnerable children. This is something that Landmark has been known for years for. It's it's honestly a part of what drew my family to come here. So therefore, some of you might regret it at this point. 
But this church does it through individual families, fostering and adopting. We work through Agape. We work through the Meredith Foundation. We intervene to help care for children. But we also continue now, still, our relationship with the Ntenderi Village Children's Home in Limbazi, Malawi. Out of the money that you give today, when you bring your gifts forward here in a moment and you put them in these containers representing the countries where we have people serving, here's what you pay for at Tenderi. You pay for the salaries of every house mother. You pay for the two carpenters and stuff's always breaking. You pray for the three cooks. I guarantee you food always needs cooking. You pray for the two gardeners. Stuff always needs growing. As well as the driver who gets everybody where they need to be. This is what we do. We work in the background to provide for the people who provide direct care to the children. This is what we do. We get to have the privilege of being involved in that. Number five. Brothers and sisters, we're at war. And these are some of the theaters that your leadership have chosen to be involved in. More is going on around us all the time than we're aware of. We are, every single one of us, engaged in a battle every day. We have an enemy that hates our God and therefore hates us. Now, this enemy is defeated. He's lost the war. But he's bound and determined to take as many of us down with him as possible. However, we are indwelt with the spirit of the living God. And we have nothing to fear from our enemy, provided that we wage war with the weapons that God has given us. Now, we've all heard them spoken over us many times, but I want to speak them over you once again. So I want to ask you, receive these words out of Ephesians 6. This is Paul's description of how we wage war. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day and having all to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all, not some, all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Here's where he brings it home. Praying at all times with all perseverance, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. You hear his personal plea in there. Also for me, that words might be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I, Paul, am an ambassador in chains, that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Now, I love the fact that, that my kids have this passage memorized. I love, the, I love to watch them put on the, the plastic helmet and, and to pick up the shield and, and, and the sword. I love watching them do that, but it's so much more than just a kid's memory verse. This is, this is a truth, this is an accurate description of the battle that we are, every one of us, engaged in. And we must be praying these scriptures over ourselves daily, over our families and our households daily, and my goodness, over our missionaries. Our missionaries are the warriors that God has positioned out at the frontiers. They are the ones who are on the ragged edge of the expansion of Christianity, and they need us in this fight. 
This is so clearly evidenced in the country of A hundred years ago, just one century ago, it was 20% Christian. Today, they've gone against the trend. Today, approximately 0.03% of the country is Christian. The country politically is a mess. Um, most Westerners have fled out of most of the major cities. But as so eloquently explained last week on video, our folks have chosen to stay. They've chosen to stay because, just as God did with Esther, they believe that God has positioned them where they are for such a time as this. It's true. Right now, visitors and Christians alike, if they want to attend a church service, they very often have to wiggle their way through police barricades set up for their own protection. But it's also true that they've seen an uptick in attendance and certainly in seeking throughout this period of uncertainty like they haven't seen in quite some time. This is because as countries become more unstable, as life starts to get shaky, God's children always seek the rock that is higher. And that's the case even now. And good things are happening in the midst of the bad things. And in part they're happening because Landmark, you, have chosen to send two of your finest families to the front lines of this fight. And I also just want to say, because I know some of you care so much about these two families, we monitor very closely the political events and we, we daily are monitoring what's going on there. And we recognize that someday we may reach a point where for their own safety they're required to be pulled out of the country. We understand that. But until that day, they fight. And we do too. Now, in this domain of spiritual warfare and in putting on the armor of God, we men really are, are a little bit behind you ladies these days. So many of you have recently walked through a study of putting on the armor of God. And so we're glad that you're leading the way in this. Right now, what Buddy has decided to do, we finished up a month of big deals to start off our year. Now we're gonna be taking the next couple of months and Buddy is gonna be preparing us for and leading us into spiritual warfare. Hopefully opening up our eyes to the battles that rage around us. And Mission Sunday, fittingly, is the bridge in between the big deals and the spiritual warfare because it's both of them. It's where the rubber of big deals meets the road of spiritual warfare. Paul set that out beautifully for us at the end of Ephesians there. He took that other weapon, prayer, the one that didn't get a cool piece of the Roman armor assigned to it, and he speaks of how we fight for all the saints through prayer. And now if Paul needed believers to cover his ministry in prayer, how much more do your missionaries need you in this fight? And that brings me now to how you individually can be involved. We've spoken of how we are involved. Right now, I want to turn it around. We're going to talk about how you must be involved. Number one, through prayer. Warfare, prayer, and missions have always been intertwined, and they always will be. Strongholds are torn down daily around this world because of persistent, specific, bold prayers of the saints. I love that the main way that we prepared for, 20, for, for Mission Sunday this year was through taking 21 days to pray over what we do as a church. Muslims dream dreams of Jesus. Atheists acknowledge the holes in their spirits from a lack of God. The, the sacrifices of witch doctors lose their efficacy and God's lost children get found when his people pray. You must be on your knees daily for your brothers and sisters. Now to help facilitate that, Inside of your copy of Lifelines, there was actually a whole bunch of stuff. We thought about sticking them in manila envelopes this time. There were quite a few handouts. One of them was for a prayer card. 
Now, all of you have been randomly assigned a prayer card. We've got a lot of different mission points. Each of you has gotten one to pray over. I want you to think of that as your job. Your job in the coming year is to pray for that family or that mission work that you received today. They're yours. Put them, put them in your car, put them on the fridge, on the mirror, wherever it is you need to put them. But they're yours. You pray for them. Feel free to swap them if you want to. They're sort of like trading cards. But I also understand that some of you want to pray for all of our missionaries. Some of you want the complete set. The whole set is available for you at the back at the welcome desk. If you want to pick one up and you want to just cover your house uh, with families that you want to pray for, please pick that up at the back and engage in prayer warfare for your missionaries. Secondly, another way you can be involved is to give. We are the people of God and the people of God give. It's always been that way. It is a part of the DNA of a disciple of Christ. It's the way we participate in what the body at large does. Now, I want to clarify something here. Your missionaries are not beggars who stand in front of you with their hat in their hands asking for a handout. And shame on us if we've ever made them feel that way. They are God's soldiers who have been sent on mission. And we have the privilege of getting to be a part of sending them out. The gifts that you bring today, that you'll bring here in just a moment, allow you to participate in seeing our enemy shoved back some of the darker corners of this world. Now, I'll be honest with you. We don't have just a whole lot of fluff in our missions budget. We don't, we don't do things bare bones. We try to do things with excellence, but our 215000 that we're asking for is a realistic look at what it's going to cost to do what our missionaries have purpose to do this year. And so I want to ask you to be generous. Be generous disciples of Christ and give so that we can meet or exceed this goal. Third, you encourage your missionaries. I have been the weak, lonely, scared missionary. Uh, I spent 13 years as a missionary living internationally, and I've been that guy. The guy who was beaten down and had feeling defeated and went to the post office and opened up the post office box and found a card just because. And I can tell you, it makes a huge difference. There's also those days where you went to the post office and there was actually a package slip. Those were even better days. It is hard for me to really help you just begin to grasp the, the spiritual good that happens when you hold in one hand a block of Velveeta and another a can of Rotel. <laughs> this is a good thing. And so when you encourage your missionaries, when you send things, I know it's complicated. It's a little more complicated to figure out how to mail a letter to if you've never mailed one. It takes some extra steps, but it's worth it so that your people can have, can have a tangible, physical reminder of the fact that they're not forgotten to have a physical reminder of the fact that they're loved, to know deep down inside of their soul that someone somewhere still gets to eat queso on a regular basis. These are good things, and these are the things that lift up your missionaries' heads when they get tired. And by the way, you can start today. Today is birthday. Send the kid a birthday card. By the way, if you want the addresses of our missionaries, I will gladly send them to you. Shoot me an email. I'm andy at landmark.church, and I will gladly send you all of their addresses so that you can start sending them encouraging things. Finally, this is where I'm going to end today. You discipled here. You want to be involved in what Landmark is doing in missions around the world? Disciple here. Kingdom growth is kingdom growth. You want to encourage your missionaries? Grow this church. Now, some of you are going to tell me that you don't don't really know where to start. You don't know how to go about discipling people. Well, A lot of different ways you can do it. I'm going to give you a couple of them that are pretty easy to handle. First of all, in the lobby, we've got a stand-up that has 
business card-sized invitations to Landmark. Grab a couple of them and invite your friends, invite your neighbors, invite your coworkers. If you're, if you're embarrassed to invite people to Landmark, then you might want to find a different church. Just start by inviting people to this church. If you believe in what we're doing, invite them to come join us. Secondly, here's another way you can join in that you may not have thought of. International college students. The U.S. State Department has a webpage that lists 300 current or former heads of states of other nations beside the U.S. who at one time or another were an international college student. 300. If you want to touch the future of a nation for Christ, if you want to touch the potential opinion leaders, the researchers, the politicians then invite an international college student over for dinner. Out of the 800,000 college students that are international students that are in the U.S. today, it's estimated that only 10% of them are going to receive a significant touch from a church. And 8 out of 10 won't ever get invited into an American home for a dinner. Be that person. Invite them over for dinner. Touch a nation in that way. Invite an international college student over. While you're at it, invite their other hungry friends. Can I get an amen? All right. This is where we end today. I know you've heard this math before, but we're going to go to it again. If one person in this church, just one, let's, let's take you, for instance, brought one person to Christ this month, and then each of you next month brought one person to Christ, and then each of the two of you brought a person to Christ the next month, and four and eight, in one year's time, the Landmark Church would be five times the size that it is today. This is how church growth happens. This is how we make a difference in the kingdom. It is disciples making disciples who make disciples. This is how we join in what God is doing around the world today. This is how we make a difference. And so, yes, I want you to pray. I want you to give. I certainly want you to encourage our missionaries, but you've got to be a disciple right now. Right now, Buddy's going to come. He's going to share just a few words with us to expand on that. And then we're going to turn the corner towards our time in giving. You know, there's so many things that excite me about giving today. Uh, They give me confidence about it. But nothing gives me more confidence than knowing that Andy Johnson is leading our mission work. Uh, He's got the experience, the heart, and the vision to lead us in just excellence. So you give a hand to Andy and thank him for what he's doing. I want you to read with me before we give the Great Commission, just to remind us of the words of Jesus. I want you to read this out loud from Matthew chapter 8, 28, beginning verse 18. Then Jesus came to them. You guys with me? Let's let's try this again, all right? Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Before we can give generously, we need to clear up very quickly three myths. In five minutes, you're going to be giving. You say, what's the big deal about me giving my money? Listen to me. Money's a big deal because what money represents is your work and your time. So when you put your money in these baskets up here, what you're saying is I am dedicating my life 
to this mission work. Let's straighten out these myths, first of all. Number one, the Great Commission means over there. Often we think about missions and the Great Commission. We just believe it means foreign missions. The truth is, Jesus says, we are to go to all nations. All nations include this nation. In fact, there's probably never been a day where our missions need to encompass the USA as much as today. Most scholars say we are now living in a post-Christian nation. For the first time in history, other nations are now sending missionaries to us. So here's the truth. The Great Commission happens here and there. I love, as Andy has been sharing with you, about our church's mission work. Because what you're giving to today does go overseas, but it also supports that addiction ministry, that prison ministry that Andy talked about. So we are going to go there, and we're going to do it here. One of the greatest compliments ever given to this church was by our missionary to Tanzania, Kevin Linderman, when he said, he said, you know what I love about being a missionary of Landmark is that I'm not doing anything in Tanzania that you guys aren't doing in Montgomery. Myth number two, the Great Commission is all about going. I can't obey the Great Commission because I'm not in a position to go. I don't feel called to go. Let me correct that. Not only are you going, you can't help but go. You see, when you read the Great Commission and Jesus says we are to go, that can be easily translated in the Greek language as you are going. We all go. You will go to your home in a moment as a missionary. You will go to your work tomorrow or your school tomorrow or to the baseball field as a missionary. We all go. So the truth is, it's about discipleship as you go. The best mission work is when you and I are just living it out and speaking it up as we go. Number three myth. The Great Commission is not about me. I know there's some people in here gifted and it's about them, but it's not about me. I've even heard people make the argument from the passage we just read that that passage was only meant for the apostles. We don't have to obey the Great Commission because it was only given to them. Now, would you stop and think about the practicality of what you've just said there? How about if it had stopped with the apostles? Here's the truth. None of us would be here. We are all here because someone believed the Great Commission was for them. It might have been your mom or your dad or your grandmother. It might have been a neighbor or a co-student in college. Or it might have been someone you worked with. But someone along the line has shared Jesus with you because they knew the Great Commission was for them. And it's for all of us. It is a command. The truth is it's a command to every disciple. So this morning, in just a moment, we will obey that command. Jesus said, this great commission will go on to the end of the world. And he says, when you go out to participate in it, I will go with you. Listen to me. If you are yearning for a deeper experience with Jesus Christ, then give sacrificially this morning, trusting him. Go to work on a mission and speak about him. 
Be bolder with your family about right priorities in Jesus. You do that, and Jesus promises you that he will go with you in a special way. Paul says, I want you to be active in sharing your faith so that you can understand every good thing we have in Jesus Christ. Today you get to experience every good thing in Jesus. I want to tie into our theme this morning of food, okay? I love my favorite line in the gospel of Jesus. It's in John chapter 4 when he's sharing with that Samaritan woman and his disciples think he shouldn't even talk to this kind of woman. He says to them, he's so fired up about it, my food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus was so fulfilled by sharing the gospel, by obeying the great commission, that he skipped a meal. And so today, in just a moment, you're going to have a chance to come. We have baskets and bags and bowls that represent the countries that we are doing mission work. And we just ask you to come. There's a card in your bulletin. You can fill that out as a pledge or as a one-time gift. Whatever cash or check you'd like to bring, while we listen to this song that God is on the move, and he is, you have a chance to be on the move right now. And there's some of you today that today needs to be the day that the Great Commission becomes real to you and you're baptized. Meet me up here on the front row. Or today's a day where you need prayers about your life and who you are. Meet Andy or I up here on the front row. But let's listen to this song and let's bring our cards and our gifts. If, if you have your connection card, you can bring it up here. You could leave it there on the pew. We want everybody to, to leave a connection card. But right now, you have the chance to obey Jesus and to experience his presence. Let's listen to this song and let's give.